Good evening, Rabbi Yisai. Coming to you with once again another end of the week Thursday night Chumash and Shalant get together. And as the timestamp that goes out on the Shir may indicate, this is another special edition coming from a special undisclosed location. Uh, happens to be I'm broadcasting currently not from the Atheist Convention in LA, but from the Rosh Kaila Convention in New Jay, a undisclosed location in northern New Jersey. Uh, we are here for the weekend and Sending it out a little bit later than usual, but we'll get it out before Shabbos. Chumash and his chalant. Usually when we have these special editions, there's no chalant. There actually was a chalant. They had a nice yummy chalant over here before. Nothing like Rabbi Aronson's famous blue ribbon chalant, but chalant nevertheless. And let's get down to business. This is Parsh's Truma. Let's explore Truma a little bit before we go into the mikvah for Shabbos Kaidish tomorrow. And Truma is, of course, where the Mishkan begins. And I want to focus in on one specific aspect of the... Mishkan, the set pieces that were there in the tabernacle, and that is the first one that we are introduced to. That's the Arn Kaidish. Now, Arn Kaidish certainly is the piece de resistance, is the, you know, in the innermost chamber, which is a giveaway that this is what it all comes down to in the Kaidish HaKadosh, in the Sanctuary, Sanctorum. The Luchais are there, the Shivrei Luchais are there, the Shechina is there. This is where the Rebbeim communicates, where Torah, Torah comes to Kleisrael through the Arn Kaidish, Torah, Nevuah. Everything comes from here, all of our highest connections to the Eberster, Takash Baruch come through the Arn Kaidish. Now, it, it's interesting that on the one hand, the Mishkan is certainly supposed to be portable, and as such, most of the the Kalim in the basement had poles with which to carry them. The Arn Kaidish has poles, the Shulchan has poles, the Golden Mizbeach has poles. These items have poles in order to transport them. What is unique about the Arn Kaidish is that there is a mitzvah in the Torah that the the uh, the poles that bore the Arn Kaidish were affixed onto and into the Arn Kaidish um, the poles that went into the Arn Kaidish needed to remain in place and they were actually made thicker on the ends so that they could not be removed and the Gemara in Makkah tells us actually one of the Averis of the Torah one of the 365 laven is you're not allowed to remove the poles. The poles can't come out. It's interesting in that, you know, the other from the other kalim, we have poles as well, and we have methods of bearing them. We have that in the, like we just said, the shulchan, the, the aron. And those poles were removable. They go in and out, in and out, arayin arayis. For some reason, the poles of the aron kodesh, we have an injunction from the Torah, special commandment, they have to remain in the aron kodesh. And it's always bothered me. Like, what's the pshat? Like, Maya hide the kamon. What's the pshat? The, the, the Arn Kaidish, its poles have to remain there, like fused in, fixed in, locked in. They can't come out. Why the Arn Kaidish specifically? And the other kalim, the other set pieces of the Mishkan, the poles could come in and out. So I want to share with the Oilam two beautiful ideas that I heard about this. Two different ideas, two, two beautiful ideas to give us such beautiful insights into the Arn, into the Mishkan, and into life itself, I think. So one idea, I hear the name of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch. He says like this, a beautiful idea. Mamash, a beautiful idea. He says that, you know, what do poles represent? And, 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 and um, poles specifically that can go in and out, like what, what do they represent ultimately? What do those poles represent? If I can take the poles in, if I can take the poles out, that represents this, this item being in two, different, in two different modes. When the poles are in... I'm bearing it, I'm carrying it, I'm transporting it. It's, it's portable. I'm going from place to place, which is what the Mishkan was all about. 
When I take the poles out, that is an indicator of what? Of it's at rest. It's come to its menucha, its place of encampment. So we put the shulchan down, we take the poles out, it's camped, it's at rest over here. The Mishkan parks now for a week, for a month, for a year, for several years. We take the poles out of the Mizbeach Hazav, the golden Mizbeach. They're at rest, they're parked, they're encamped, they're, they're in their place now. Poles in, that means we're in mobility mode, we're in transport mode, we're on the go, we're on the move. That's what the poles represent, it's being lofted and carried. Transport mode. The poles come out, we are in camp mode. We are encamped, we are in a state of more more permanence. We found, you know, the campsite, yes, Kleistral went, excuse me, through 42 camps over the 40 years, but most of those camps were over a shorter time. For most of their 40 years, they had a lot more permanence. They were in like one place for long stretches of time, um, Rashi tells us in the end of Bamidbar. So the poles are in again when we're, when we're on the move, when we're on the go, the poles come out when we are at rest. The Arn Kodesh, the poles were always there. The poles never came out, even when they encamped. Even when they were parked in one place for many, many, many years in the desert, the poles were always there. The beginning of that insight is, aha, the Arn Kodesh, the Arn Kodesh itself is never really at rest. Never really at rest. Never really finds its place of menucha. Never really finds its permanent place to camp out. As opposed to the other kalim, in Zakhtar of Hirsch, the other kalim we know had specific functions, specific tasks, such as the Shulchan. The Shulchan was there. The Kayach of Parnasa came through the Shulchan. Mizbech was the Kayach of Kapara. And the idea is, when we encamp, when, when we park and we erect the Mishkan in any particular place, so here we have the Shekhinah here now. Now we, through the Shekhinah, we give Parnasah to Kleis, or through the Shulchan, through the Shekhinah, we, we, we give, now that the Mishkan is erected and we have the Shekhinah there through the Shekhinah, we give the Kayach HaKapar through the Mizbech, we take the poles out. Why do the poles always stay in the Arn Kodesh? Because the Arn Kodesh never really has a permanent home. Never really at rest, never really comes to Menucha. It's never in a state of encampment. Meaning, on the one hand, it does sound like, whoa, that, that, I think that's a liability. The Aaron Kaddish never has rest, it never comes to a stop, it never finds its place of menucha. But on the other hand, the real word over here on this, and the real idea that's going on over here is as follows. On the other hand, what that means is, for the Aaron Kaddish to be given Klaisra al-Kaich of Torah, to be in Klaisra a connection to Torah, connection to, the, the secrets of creation, to the chachma, the wisdom of the Rebbe himself, it doesn't need to be at rest. It doesn't need to be in a place where there's shechina. It doesn't need to be in a place where we're encamped, where we have erected the mishkan, where we have structure, where we have permanence. The Arn Kodesh doesn't need that. Wherever Klai Yisrael goes, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're at rest, whether we're on the move, whether we're on the run, even if we're really on the run, even if we're fleeing, we're chased, by our enemies and tormentors, from Gullus to Gullus to Gullus to Gullus, wherever Kleisro goes, the Torah goes. We don't need to have that Mishkan, we don't need to create the permanent Hashras, Hashchina even, to have that connection to Torah. Rather, wherever we go, we have an inherent connection to Torah, an inherent ability to bring Torah down, bring Torah into our lives, and bring Torah into the lives of those around us. And that's why the Poles never come out of the Arn Kodesh. Because Arn Kodesh is always on the move. It's always on the go. It follows Kleiser wherever we are. Parnasa, the Starka Parnasa that requires the Shechina. Kapara, 
kapara to come from the mizbeach that requires a permanent home that requires the shechin that requires us to be at rest for that to come in its in its ideal fashion in its ideal way. But again, for Torah to be there to be a part of our lives, to close off that connection to Torah, it doesn't need anything, not dependent on anything, not dependent on a permanent home, not dependent on having the shechin as part of our lives in a, in a very clear and palpable sense. No, it's just dependent on a yid. It, where there's a yid, there's Torah. A yid can be on the go. The Torah is also on the go. That's okay. Torah doesn't need and doesn't require a permanent home. And I think we can also read this back into the Pasuk. You know, we have um, in the end of Vayichi, in the end of Shem, in Bereshit, in Vayichi, we have Birchaz Yankov, the bracha that Yaakov Inu gave his children before he was nifted, the bracha that he gives Yisachar, Yisachar is Chamor Garim, Ravitz Ben HaMishpasayim. He is the strong-boned donkey who rests. He says, Vayar Menucha Kitoiv. He sees that rest is Geshmak, it's Geshmak to take a good shluf. Vayet Shechmai Lisboil. But he just bears his shoulder to bear more. Bears his shoulder, B-A-R-E, to bear more, B-E-A-R, as in carry, not as in the animal bear, because he's a donkey. But he bears his shoulder to bear more burden. Dafko, when he sees the menucha, because Yisachar understands his role as a tavad chacham, is not to be in that state of menucha. And that's not where he's going to find Torah. In fact, he finds Torah when he's on the go, when he's dafka moving, when he's dafka pushing himself, when he's dafka not letting himself rest. That's where Torah is, to be found primarily. That's where it's at. And this is the lesson of the of the uh, Arn Kodesh not having those poles inside. And what an amazing lesson for us, Rabbi Yisai. We, you know, are, are unfortunately in Gaulis. I mean, even in Eretz Yisrael, they're in Gaulis. We've been in Gaulis for 2,000 years. And, you know, we wistfully remember and reminisce about the, the Beis HaMikdash, everything that we've lost. But on the other hand, the Arn Kodesh is always on the move also. We have just as much of a connection to Torah as we always did. In fact, when we're in Gauls, when we're on the move, we're on the go, that's exactly where we can find the Torah, that's where we can embrace the Torah. The Torah is there for us. The Torah is there with us. The Torah is also always on the go, side by side, hand in hand, together with Klaisos. That's one very, very, very nice idea as far as why the Poles did not come out of the Arnkaitish. Another idea is as follows. Um... The poles were, 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 were like, um, as we said, stuck, stuck in the Arn Kaddish. They couldn't come out. And you weren't allowed to take them out. They had to stay there. They had to stay there. What's the immediate lesson that we learned from this? Again, and this is in sharp contrast to the other Kalim, where the poles were designed to be removed and replaced. The lesson is, who are the poles there for? Who are the poles there for? The poles are there for the people who bear the poles. People who support the Arn Kaddish. Now, on the one hand, we know... Yes, of course, miraculously, it was nice as nice of. The Arn Kodesh bore those who bared it. It lifted those who, who, who supported it. Yes, it, it lifted them up. That's true, but on the other hand, look, hey, one second. The poles of the Arn Kodesh, which is where the, the pole bearers bear the poles, are a permanent part of the Arn Kodesh. They're a permanent part of the Arn Kodesh. The people that support the Arn Kodesh, although they're lifted and uplifted by the Arn Kodesh, they're also a permanent part of the Arn Kaddish. What do we learn from that, Rabbi Say? A half of the idea. Something amazing we learn from there. Those who support the Torah are actually a part of the Torah. Those who bring the Torah out, and I'm not talking about support in terms of financial, monetary support, I'm talking about the people who bring the Torah out, who supports the Torah, who carries the Torah aloft. The people that are learning Torah, the people that are schwitzing over Torah, trying to understand the Torah. These are the people that are carrying the Torah. These are the people that are bearing the Torah. 
the people that are bearing the Torah, that are carrying the Torah, these are people that not only support and carry it, but in a certain sense, the Torah is made lofty and beautiful and uplifted by they themselves. The Torah is, so to speak, benefiting from them and being uplifted by them to the degree that they become a permanent part of the Torah. The poles are cemented in, locked in, because those who bear the Torah become a permanent part of the nature and the appearance of Torah itself. And what does that mean? What does that mean? It means as follows. Someone who studies Torah, who learns Torah, is, um, is, is certainly learning from the Torah, is, is um, dwarfed in the presence of the enormity of the Torah itself. But when you bring the Torah out, you have a role to play and a role to serve that the Torah can't do without you. It's a symbiotic relationship. And there's a beautiful idea that illustrates this that also comes from within the Aron Kodesh itself, this symbiotic relationship about how someone who studies the Torah, who is on the receiving end of the Torah, provides structure, provides grandeur to the Torah itself. I'm a symbiotic part of the Torah. By learning it, by studying, by being, by being exposed to its enormity, that idea is brought in such a beautiful way from within the Aron Kodesh itself, another aspect of the Aron Kodesh, and that is the Kruvim that are on top of the Aron Kodesh. We know the two Kruvim faced one another, and there's a Chazal that according to a certain inter- interpretation of this Chazal, um, there's different ways of understanding it, but there's a Gemara in Sukkah that describes the Kruvim, and according to one way of understanding the Gemara in Sukkah, the two Kruvim that face each other, one had the face of an adult, and one had the face of a child. Ape Zutre and Ape Ravrave. And again, yeah, there's different ways of understanding the Gemara, but one way of understanding it is that there was a child facing a, a, an adult, an adult facing a child. What's the significance of the two Kruvim having different visages, different countenances, one looking like an adult, one looking like, one looking like a child? Says the Shla, they represent a, a, a Rebbe and a Talmud. The Rebbe is the one with the adult face, and the Talmud is the one with the younger face. The older face and the younger face. And they face each other. Each face of the Kruvim are facing each other. The Rebbe is facing the Talmud, and the Talmud is facing the Rebbe. What's the significance in that? Why is the Rebbe facing the Talmud and the Talmud is facing the Rebbe? The one giving the Torah is facing the one who's receiving the Torah, and what's receiving is facing the one who's giving. What's the significance in that? Significance is such a beautiful idea. Um, I heard a beautiful idea from uh, Rav Asher David May Shlita Chashev Tamachachem. Listen, Munsi, Rabban Munsi has a Kailan Pasaic. Here's the following idea from him, based on a a, a, a source. There's a, a Yushami that says that if you want, if you take two trees. And one may be invading the roots of the other. How do you know which tree has invaded the other, which tree is taking nourishment away from the other? Yushami says if the leaves of one tree face away from the other, you see the leaves are turning away, that means it's, in, it, that's the invasive one, that's the one that's, that's getting its nourishment from the other tree, its leaves face away. Why? When I get nourishment from something, when I gain from something, when I take from something, from someone, I feel like a schnorr. There's a certain amount of shame, of embarrassment. I turn away because it's embarrassing to get nourishment and support 
um, from someone else. It's embarrassing, I turn away. So if you have a tree that's penetrated its roots into another tree and it's getting nourishment, you know, parasitically from the other tree, it's, it's going to turn its leaves away. By the Kruvim, the Kruvim face each other. The older face the younger, the younger face the older. The Rebbe faces the Talmud, the Talmud faces the Rebbe. This is the idea of what Chazal famously say, Yes, the Rebbe gives everything that he has to the Talmud. He gives all the knowledge that he has, he gives all the wisdom that he has, all the training that he has, all the patience and love that he has. He gives it all over to the Rebbe, and to the Talmud, to the students. That's the, that's the other kruv, the other image that is on top of the Arn Kodesh. But the younger one, the Talmud, is facing with confidence the Rebbe. Why isn't he turning away? He's getting so, so much. Teretz is, by him receiving from the Rebbe, he's actually giving to the Rebbe. By him receiving from the Rebbe, he's giving the Rebbe more clarity. He's giving the Rebbe wisdom. From him receiving from the Rebbe, the Rebbe's able to grow, the Rebbe's able to gain, the Rebbe's able to build himself up. And the Rebbe, more importantly, most importantly, has a presence over here. The Rebbe has a legacy. The Rebbe has something that's, that's con- continuing. His wisdom, his teaching, his line, he's being perpetuated. The Rebbe's being perpetuated over here. He's continuing and maintaining his legacy. What a beautiful idea. Mamash, a beautiful idea. And the Rebbe's being perpetuated. And the Rebbe, as much as the Talmud's getting from the Rebbe, the Rebbe's getting from the Talmud, the younger Kruv can with confidence and boldness and... and um, without feeling any shame, can face the older crew, the one of the Rebbe, because he's also giving to the Rebbe. As much as the Rebbe's giving to him, he's giving right back to the Rebbe. Neither is taking from the other. It's a symbiotic relationship. Each one is giving to the other, in that they're getting from the other. And the Rebbe's, the Talmud is giving right back to the Rebbe. He's giving the Rebbe the ability to teach. As we said, the ability to sharpen himself up, the ability to have clarity. He's giving the Rebbe a legacy giving the Rebbe perpetuity. And all of us, whenever we learn from the Torah, we're doing the same thing to the Torah itself. We all receive from the Torah. You sit and learn. You go through anything on your own. Or with the Chavrusa. Again, the Torah is so enormous, so vast, so intimidating. We're just dwarfed in the presence of the infinitude and the, the unlimited, um, unending, Wisdom, details, ideas, mitzvahs, pirte pratim, specifics, and just the intricacies of the Gemara. goes on and on and on and on. We're so dwarfed, we're so infinitesimally small in its presence. It's true. It's true, but on the other hand, we're giving to the Torah. We're giving it a presence. We're giving it a... a, a we're perpetuating the Torah. If not for us, it doesn't exist over here. If not for us, it has no presence over here in this world. It's through our study of the Torah through our dedication to the Torah, our commitment to the Torah, we're actually giving the Torah a legacy, giving the Torah a presence, giving the Torah a place. And this is why the poles are cemented into the Arn Kayosh itself. Because yes, the poles may represent the bearers of the Torah, those who hold the Torah aloft, those who proudly study the Torah, the Tamidi Chachamim, it's true, but they are a permanent feature of the Arn Kayosh itself, because as much as the Arn Kayosh gives to them, gives them wisdom, gives them learning, gives them understanding, they're giving right back to the Arn Kaidish. They're giving the Arn Kaidish, they're giving the Torah a presence, perpetuation, and, 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 uh, the, the, uh, manifestation 
just the existence, the sheer existence of Torah in this world is created by those who learn it. Therefore, they become a symbiotic part of the Torah itself. They become part of the existence of the Torah itself. And this is why the poles of the Arn have to remain in the Arn. Those who hold the Arn aloft, those who learn the Torah and bear the torch of the Torah become a symbiotic part of the Torah. What an amazing, empowering, inspiring idea for all of us to take away. We all sit and learn. We're all busy with some degree of Torah learning, whatever it may be. Each one of us in his own way, each one of us according to his station, each one of us according to his level. But whatever Torah we're busy with, that we, that we, that we embrace, that we learn, that we, that we uh, are, are, are committed to, we, Rabbi Yisai, are a symbiotic part of the Torah itself. We're holding it aloft, and we're fused, cemented into the existence of the Torah, because without our learning, whether it's a Pasuk, whether it's a Mishnah, whether it's a Blat Gemara, whether it's a Halacha, that Halacha we learned, that we learned, we're cemented into the Torah, we're fused into the Torah, we're part of the existence of the Torah itself. What a beautiful idea to take in Shabbos Kodesh. With that, I wish everyone a, a good Shabbos, a wonderful Shabbos. Mitzvah Hashem, looking forward to a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful week yet to come together with, with the Gansa Oilam. Everyone should be well and a good Shabbos.